So one of the things that we're going to be doing for the next about six weeks or so is we're going to be taking a deep dive into the book of Proverbs. Uh, we're going to uh, go through the, this kind of a series and look at all the ways that God wants to teach us and help us to apply the wisdom that God offers in the book of Proverbs into our very own lives. Now, there's a book series out there that has sold 35 million copies. Do you know what that book series is? It's fill in the blank for dummies. Yeah? Have you bought a few of those books? I know I did. I bought one probably about 20 years ago because uh, I had gotten married and my wife was like, you know what? Since you're the man of the house, one of the jobs that you have is to grill. Now, I had never grilled before. I knew nothing about how to do that. I didn't even know the you know, difference between charcoal and gas and all this kind of stuff. So I bought that book, Grilling for Dummies, because it seemed so apropos. But do you realize that there are more than 150 titles of whatever for dummies? Things like bird watching for dummies, desserts for dummies, investing for dummies, fishing for dummies, law for dummies, sailing for dummies. There's even one that's called parenting for dummies. I probably should have gotten that one. So the question is, why is this sermon series, or I should say, why is this book series so effective? Well, one satisfied customer said this, I buy them because they take the intimidation of learning out of the whole process. Whatever the subject matter, they spell it out in extremely simple terms. They make the complex understandable so that even a regular guy like me can get it. You know, my friends, God has a book in the Bible that's kind of like this, on making life work for dummies. And it has another name, and that name is Proverbs. Now, Comprehending its wisdom takes no seminary degree. There are very few confusing big words or even theological terms. It is the most down-to-earth book in the Bible. Now, few Proverbs fit in the category of promises, all right? What they do is they say, if you do this, you're going to see some benefit. You know, this is generally how life works. People who are godly, who are moral, who are hardworking and wise, well, you know what? They're going to reap rewards from this. You know, above all, Proverbs is extremely practical. I mean, Proverbs 20, verse 4 says, a sluggard does not plow in season. So at harvest time, he looks but finds nothing to eat. 
I mean, again, this is pretty straightforward, right? You don't plow, you don't eat. So we have to also ask this question, and the question is, what is wisdom? Wisdom is this. Wisdom is what is true and right combined with good judgment. Biblical words of wisdom are discerning, judicious, prudent, sensible. These are the words, and that's what, that's what we want. We want to take life and apply it in such a way that we can live a wise life and reap the benefits of wisdom. Now, let's go ahead and put a little caveat into this, okay? Because this whole wisdom theology, this wisdom kind of understanding of how we live our life is prevalent throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. It's even prevalent throughout the Bible. You know, living wise is something that is prized and is sought and is encouraged. So here's the question. What happens when you do everything Proverbs says to do and something bad happens to you in life? All right? Because that happens too. So wisdom literature in the Bible needs to kind of be put all together. So we're just taking one book of wisdom literature out. We're going to kind of study it for the next few weeks. We want to make sure that we don't forget about the book of Job, another wisdom book, right? We talk about someone who was living the life of being wise, prudent, and judicial, and then all these bad things happened. Or what about the book of Ecclesiastes? Again, another wisdom book. And then, of course, you have wisdom stories, again, throughout the Old and the New Testament. Again, we're generally speaking, if you apply this to your life, here's what's going to happen. Now, who was the book of Proverbs originally written for? Well, to be honest with you, it was really written to educate young boys, probably about fourth and fifth grade boys. Because education, of course, you would go to the rabbi, and the rabbi would teach. You would learn how to write. You'd learn about the law. You'd learn about all those important things. But then you'd also learn how to live. And, uh, you know, if you need me to prove to you that it was written for uh, fourth and fifth grade boys, let me quote one of those Proverbs, okay? Proverbs 26, 11, all right? It's in the Bible. A fool returns to his folly as a dog to his vomit. I know, it's not pretty. And some of you might think, well, you know what? That's just how the Hebrew Scriptures be kind of crude. I'm like, well, someone should have told that to Peter because 2 Peter 2, 22 Peter quotes that very verse in his book. So another way to say this, another way to kind of look at it, is to understand that the Hebrew word for wisdom is the word Sophia. And so Sophia can be this kind of a personification, if you will, of wisdom. And so there's a juxtaposition that is made. Wisdom 
is a beautiful woman that you should work to follow because she's going to lead you down a, a, a pathway that leads to success, that leads to wealth, and that leads to long life if you'll just pursue her. Now, the juxtaposition is this. Because on the one side you have Sophia, on the other side you have this thing called folly. Okay, you can go after the beautiful Sophia or you can go after the tramp folly. Because if you go after her, you're going to bring ruin to your life. You're going to be poor, you're going to be destitute, you're going to have a, a horrible family name. I mean, life is not going to work out well for you. And folly is easier to pursue than it is to pursue Sophia, to pursue wisdom. Now, in all fairness, I think we can actually understand here, this is who the audience was written for, and it's okay. I think you, if you're a, a young lady, if you're a woman, and you put yourself in this situation, you can actually kind of understand that, uh, hey, wisdom is this handsome guy who can really help you out. If you'll follow wisdom, good things are going to happen to you, you know. And then there's another guy who's Mr. Folly. You could follow him, but that's just going to ruin your life. So let's make sure we're being fair here, right? You can kind of see this in both lights. But what is to be gleaned and learned here is so real. It's so good for us. It's one of the things you're going to see here a lot, especially in the first nine chapters, because the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs is really fatherly voice instructing sons to make wise choices and to live life well. Now, after you get that fatherly advice for those first nine chapters, the next 22 chapters present really the central message of Proverbs, and that is to pursue wisdom. Because in verse after verse, the father tells the son to seek wisdom. Why? Because it pays. Because it's blessed, he writes. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies, and nothing you can desire compares to her. Long life are in her right hand. All right, my friends, Proverbs can make your life work out better. Can offer us invaluable advice about things like diligence and self-discipline. Now, it also kind of gets to how do we see ourselves as we come and engage and begin to read the book of Proverbs? And the basic understanding really is this. If you're already wise and you've come to the book of Proverbs, you're not going to learn anything. Matter of fact, Proverbs is going to tell you that you're really not wise, that you're foolish for thinking you already know everything. So when you come to the book of Proverbs and you want to learn, you want to grow, you have to be open to the fact, you have to kind of raise your hand and say, Lord, I need this. Why? 
I need this because I'm a fool. Put yourself in the right light. We're all fools. Because being a fool and being a sinner are the same thing. Okay? The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans tells us that all have fallen short of the glory of God. That all have sinned. What makes us fools? Well, we ignore ignore God's wisdom and we do so at our own cost. So, who are we? Well, we're fools and we need this wisdom. We need to be taught. We need to grow. If we've got it all figured out and we know everything, there is no growth. There is no opportunity to become more than we are now. Because what? Pride goes before the fall. Have you heard that one before? Where do you think it came from? Right? Right here in the book of Proverbs. Now, it is interesting. It is interesting because let's look at this from another very practical kind of way of viewing this. And that is to say so many times we get into problems that we bring upon ourselves. Our own sinfulness, our own foolishness brings us into difficulties. And what do we do when we get into a difficulty, when we don't know how we're going to get out? We do something like we pray for a miracle. Have you done that? I won't make you, no no show of hands here. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to assume that you've done that because I know I have. I've done things in my life that if I would have applied the principles of wisdom that you can glean from the book of Proverbs in my life towards that relationship, towards that thing in my job, towards that being a good person or a good father or a good parent or a good friend or towards money, had I really done those things, I would not have said, Lord, I need your help. I really need a miracle right now. Right? How many times do we do that? I mean, we got into that problem probably slowly over a matter of time, and now we want God to supernaturally get us out of that problem when we got into that problem in a very natural way. You know, it's up there with people who actually think, oh, you know what? I'm in this financial problem right now. And uh, Lord, if I could just win the lottery, that, that would fix everything. You know, when I was in college, I was in college at the time when the lottery in the state of Texas came to be. And I remember being in an economics class in college when that happened. And my economics professor said, hey, just to let you know, the lottery is a tax on the foolish. And I've never forgotten that. But, but let's just say that there's someone here that actually thinks that winning the lottery is the way to achieve financial stability in their life. Now, I say that because about, you know, three, one out of three people in the United States actually think 
that the lottery really is the way to become financially secure in this life. Now, so what are the odds of winning a lottery? Well, it does depend on where you play. Single state lotteries usually have odds of about 18 million to one. And while multiple state lotteries have odds that go up as high as 120 million to one. Now it's really, let's focus on this. Let's take a, a chance, a, a long look of what the chances are of you winning the lottery. Now, it may be something you really want. It may be something you're praying for. But you've got to understand what you're praying for here. Uh, what are the odds of being struck by lightning? Do you know what those are? Well, it varies from year to year and month to month, but the actual probability of this happening are 2,650,000 to 1. I'm just saying, you have better odds of being struck by lightning than winning the lottery. All right? Nobody wants to die from flesh-eating bacteria. However, the odds are about a million to one. Now, that's 120 times more likely than winning the lottery. Okay? Uh, what about dying from a snake bite or a bee sting? Well, the probability there is 100,000 to one, and that's 1,200 times more likely than you winner the lottery. Now, I understand you're not a bad person. And uh, you don't actually see yourself or imagine yourself on death road for a crime that you committed anytime soon. Still, do you know that it is more likely that you will be executed than you winning the lottery? Have I made this clear? Right? Do you see why we need wisdom and how we have some interesting ways of viewing the world? How maybe we ought to stop praying for miracles to take place and the miracle that needs to take place is simply the miracle of you picking up your Bible and reading it and then applying the wisdom you learned there into your life in such a way that you then become a better person, a more godly person, a person who now is wise in how you act with the things in your life and more importantly the people and the God of your life. Now, if I haven't convinced you yet about the lottery ticket, I think this last one will. If you have to buy more than 10 miles to purchase your lottery ticket, you are more likely, you have a 20 times more likely to be killed in the car accident on the way to buy the ticket. Now, one of the sources that we're using for our sermon series is a book by Pastor Bill Hybels, and it's called Making Life Work and Applying Proverbs to Your Life. You're more than welcome to read that book. Uh, however, don't be disappointed when you hear a lot of illustrations from the book by me, okay? I'm just letting you know. But you know, Hybels, when he was pastor at Willow Creek uh, Church up in, uh, in Barrington, Illinois, at its high, they had about 25,000 people in, in worship on a weekly uh, basis. But it didn't start off that way. When he first started the church, he had no salary. 
he would work at all day at church, and then he would work for his dad at night. His wife, Lynn, worked as a teacher and then also giving flute lessons. They even had to sell some of their possessions so that they, and they even took in boarders, people who lived in their house. Well, the kitchen table was really nothing more than a card table. And uh, he had even borrowed that card table from a friend. And then his ship came in, or so he thought. One day, the bank sent him an unsolicited credit card. He looked at that, and he thought to himself, you know what, with this, I can go and buy furniture. I can have a real kitchen table. And then he remembered. He remembered a proverb that he had written back down just a few weeks prior to this. It was one he'd written down, one that was really on the table with him. And he thought to himself, you know, here's God speaking wisdom into my life at a point that I truly need wisdom to be spoken into my life. It was Proverbs 22.9. The borrower becomes the servant of the lender. God was talking to him. You know what's worse than being broke? What's worse than being broke is being a slave, is being in bondage, being owned by someone else. Don't compromise the pain of financial security to then be enslaved by debt. And what did he do? He cut the credit card up. And I'm sure it saved him down the road. It may have saved his marriage. It may have saved his family. But it was a practical and godly way of living life that made a difference. He didn't have to pray, Lord, I need a miracle. Because he received God's grace and wisdom by reading the book of Proverbs. And so, I've got a challenge for you, right? And here's what the challenge is. You know, in the average American household, there are 7.5 Bibles. Did you know that? All I need you to do is to dust one of them off. Pick it up. You're going to go right to the middle. It's easy to find. Usually if you open it in the middle, it goes right to Psalms. And then if you'll just turn to the right, you're going to find the book of Proverbs. I want to invite you to read it. But here's the thing about reading Proverbs. You'll read it and you go, that's good. And so it'll just kind of go one in one ear and right out the other. Read it and then, and this is okay, you can do this. I'm going to give you permission And God understands. And this is a good thing. Read it with a highlighter or a pen or a pencil. And when you see a proverb that speaks to you, I want you to stop. I want you to highlight it. I want you to circle it. I want you to underline it. I want you to somehow go, okay, this 
this God is saying something to me through the Holy Spirit, and I need to pay attention because this is good. This is what I need right now. And then I want you to even take a step further than that. I want you to put it on your phone. I want you to write it down. And then put it somewhere that you will see it on a regular basis. And you only need about three or four of them, okay? I'm not asking you to memorize the entire book of Proverbs. What I really want is for you to take three or four and internalize them, okay? Let them work in your life. Now, I also understand that there's a a tradition that we have here at uh, Alamo Heights United Methodist Church. You know, this is Epiphany Sunday. This is a big Sunday. There's a lot going on. And one of the things that we do is we have, for probably the last 15 years or so, been uh, giving away these things called star words. Not star wars, star words. There, you'll see it's a little piece of paper, it's got a star on it, and then there's one word on it. So, I got my word for this day. I prayed, I put my hand in the bag, and I pulled it out, and my word, and so I'm going to take this word, here's what I want to do with it. And I'm going, okay, God's trying to tell me, here's a word that I need to kind of ruminate on, think about, and use it this whole year and really kind of focus on this. And so I'm going to do this in regards to what the book of Proverbs has to tell me about my star word. And my star word is, and please don't laugh too hard, patience. I think I got somebody else's word. So grab a star word. I know you come to church a lot, and I don't give you homework, and so you're welcome, but I'm giving you a little bit of homework, and I want to hear stories. I want you to tell me about the star word that you chose and about the Proverbs that you read and where the Holy Spirit is working in your life, where God is having an influence on you, okay? It only seems right that if we are going to start this walk together, of studying and doing a deep dive into the book of Proverbs that we ought to start it by reading Proverbs. You don't have to read the whole book. You can, but that's not what I'm asking. Read a little bit in those first nine chapters, all right? Get a flavor for what that looks like as a father instructs his son on how to pursue wisdom. And then those other chapters, start reading and then write one down. Write another one down. Find a place to put it. Put it where you're going to read it, you know. I brush my teeth every morning and every night. So put it on that bathroom uh, uh, mirror. You know, you'll read it. Or if you're like me and you take trips to the, uh, the refrigerator, put it on the fridge. Whatever you need so you'll see it and let it kind of take root in your heart and in your life. My friends, we truly are on at the beginning of an adventure. And it's an adventure of wisdom. It's an adventure of growth. Let's see if we can't find a treasure, a treasure for our life that is better than gold. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.